96 years ago, Charles Rogers and Richard Arlen shared one of the first on-screen gay kisses in an American feature film. That movie was called Wings. It was the first movie to win Best Picture and the number one movie at the box office that year. But the catch was, one of those characters was about to die tragically. 18 years ago, Jake Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger shared a whole lot more than just a kiss in Brokeback Mountain. That movie was nominated for eight Academy Awards, won three of them, and advanced the public perception of how gay characters could be depicted in movies. But again, there's that catch. One of these characters is about to die tragically. And today, in 2023, we're talking about a film where none of the gay people die and everybody wins. The first gay rom-com produced for theaters by a major American studio. That movie is the 2022 Nicholas Stoller film, Bros. This is Bomb Squad Movie Night, episode 99. I'm Austin Zwiebelman, your host, and these are my fabulous friends. I'm Tanner Richard Kraft. I'm Joseph Renick, the straightest guy here. Hey, queers! Tim M. Sullivan. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Before we dig into this historic film, we're going to get the stove going with a little warm-up question. What are some LGBTQIA plus films that are cool and good? It's a genre lots of people in America aren't familiar enough with, so we're going to take turns giving our personal recommendations. Tim, what do you got? Fans of the show uh, who watched our episodes last year will know that I did a podcast on uh, Adolescence of Utena, which is I think, a very great LGBT movie by uh, Bonsoir Ikuhara or Kunihiko Ikuhara, whatever the fuck he's going by these days. It's a really good movie and working on that podcast, getting to host and edit it was a really great experience. And uh, I think editing it made me appreciate it even more. I think it's a very beautiful look at love and like these lesbians who are trying to escape sort of the heteronormative shackles of society. And then they're finally free at the end. And like, it's just a very beautiful movie. And like it, it even made me, I think, appreciate my partner even more. So yeah, Adolescence of Utena, good ass gay movie. How about you, Joe? You got a good ass gay movie to recommend the fans? Oh man, I am way out of my elements in this. However, I do have a pick, and it's a really good one by a uh, well-established gay director named Todd Haynes. It's called Carol. Thank you. Oh God, don't! I look fried. You do not. You look wonderful. I cannot speak on any of the the gayness of the movie. That's all for everyone in that. Uh, I almost called it field like it's a fucking uh, like it's a college degree. <laughs> anyone that's queer would probably have a lot more to say about the themes in that than I do. But what I personally get out of it is it is at least a very good romance movie. It's a very good period piece. It's a very good just movie in general. It's very well told, very well shot. Uh, there's a lot of really cool like sets and costumes in it. The acting's really fucking good. And it's also, uh, it's a little late because it's New Year's now, but it's a really good alternate Christmas movie. So uh, put that on your list for uh, next Christmas. What a strange girl you are. Why? Flung out of space. I am so proud of you for choosing a film from that director. Oh my God. Todd Haynes is fucking great. Okay, uh, Tanner. Tanner, uh, is it milk? Milk is a very obvious answer. That's why I didn't pick it. Hi, I'm Seth Myers. It's Harvey Milk. 
First off, I owe Austin $10. I bet that you would say bound for your answer, and I was wrong. Honestly, this is a hard question for me because there is a, a trillion movies I could answer. A lot of them obvious, like Moonlight or maybe A Love, Simon, another rom-com. But uh, none of the actors were gay in that one, I don't think. I could talk about Flea, a documentary that was my favorite documentary and favorite cartoon of last year. But I'm actually going to talk about one that is more obscure. The 2005 coming-of-age drama Crazy. It's a Canadian movie from director Jean-Marc Vallée, who's probably better known for directing Dallas Buyers Club. Oh. Uh, an unacceptable answer to this question would be Dallas Buyers Club. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, it's a Canadian coming-of-age movie. It's really romantic. It's really sweet. It was one of the first LGBT movies I ever saw as a kid. Young, queer man growing up trying to figure out myself and everything around me. And so I really highly recommend Crazy, especially because the director, John Mark Valley, passed away a little over a year ago now, which was very tragic. And that was a very personal movie for him. So I really recommend that one. That is an excellent wreck from all three of you. Thank you, guys. All right, so uh, I'm going to come in with three wrecks. My first wreck is one of those really popular ones that everybody with a Tumblr has heard of, but I can't help it because it's kind of me and my husband's definitive couple movie. Gus Van Sant's 1991 indie drama adventure film with Keanu Reeves and the late River Phoenix. I'm talking about my own private Idaho. Look, Mike, sandwiches. It's about a doomed romance that's so beautiful while it's happening that it makes you think about your own life and the people you've cared about. It has a vintage aesthetic and a Shakespearean tone. Check it out at once. The gay tragedy in that one was so hard, it killed the Phoenix guy in real life. Yeah, that, that, that's the real reason. It's the dark night of, of River Phoenix. <laughs> Thanks. My second wreck is 10 times as problematic and 100 times funnier. The 1994 Australian road comedy film from Stefan Elliott, or Stephen Elliott, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. <laughs> <laughs> oh, listen to yourselves. Well, your contribution to the conversation hasn't exactly made headlines, Bernice. No, I'll join this conversation on the proviso that we stop bitching about people, talking about wigs, penises, drugs, nightclubs on bloody ABBA. Doesn't give us much to talk about then, does it? It's a story about two drag queens and a trans woman journeying through the outback on a tour bus. It's wicked, has a legendary final dance number, and a wildly offensive description of a mail-order bride that you can just flat out fast forward through. But in the end, it's a ton of laughs, and it helped make LGBT uh, films more mainstream. Plus, it's got Terrence Stamp, a young Hugo Weaving, and a very young Guy Pierce as the leads. And you can't tell me that doesn't sound fun as shit. My last wreck is a 1971 German avant-garde film from Rosa von Praunheim. It's not the homosexual who is reverse, but the society in which he lives. It's a lovely essay about what it was like being gay in Europe 52 years ago. Go watch it for the insight and the film history clout. You can brag about it at parties. Now it's time for today's main subject. Universal's Pictures' astonishing contribution to the ever-evolving zeitgeist, the 2022 rom-com Bros. A film that breaks so many Hollywood conventions that I think it deserves a pink fucking Oscar. A box office flop, but a critical success. Tell me guys, what do you think of Bros? Tanner, Tanner, tell me what you think of Bros. Oh my God, that's the 65 year old. Jesus, he's ripped. 
I know, it's like they injected steroids into Dumbledore. Oh man, I wish I could answer this question better, but unfortunately I was dumb and I didn't rewatch it today. I should have, I didn't. And I was the first to see it out of anyone here. I saw it in early September because I was invited to a special early screening. Uh, an early screening that was at the AMC in St. Charles, by the way. St. fucking Charles. Which made me think briefly on the way there, is this a trap? Am I about to be hate-crimed? But don't worry, I was not hate-crimed. When I went there, every gay person in St. Charles was there. All three of them. <laughs> Me, myself, and I. So it was fine. <laughs> and I walked out of that movie just immediately madly in love with it. I think it's the hardest I've laughed at a movie all year, even harder than weird. For me, it was just, there was a lot of LGBT humor that I've just never seen in a big budget movie. There's a funny scene where you think that Billy Agner and his lover are having sex for the first time. You think it's a real sweet moment. And then we cut back and there's two other guys there. And that it is deeply fucking funny because the three of them are shredded while Billy Agner's like, Hello, I'm Billy Eichner. I'm small. Uh, except I'm <laughs> bitchy. I'm Billy Eichner. You know, it wasn't just a rom-com that happened to be gay. There are movies that are rom-coms that happen to be gay. Love, Simon largely follows a straightforward narrative with a bit of a coming-of-age slice with some coming-out nonsense, but largely follows the traditional narrative of rom a rom-com. Did you date me because you think I look like a guy? No, I actually broke up with you because you don't look like a guy. Oh, Oh, okay. Thanks. This one, while the brush strokes are very traditional rom-com, the mini strokes are very gay. It's a very gay romance. For gay men. Gay men doing gay men in a movie about gay men made by gay men and Judd Apatow. And everybody else. They got everybody in this fucking thing. They got trans women. They got people of color. They got fucking everybody to come on. They got Deborah Messing. They got the Dean. They got the Dean from Community. You know what? This happens to be Bisexual Awareness Week and no one has acknowledged it. Lesbian History Month was in March. Nobody said a goddamn thing. It's June. It's a very accurate LGBT depiction of romance. Uh, not that I have a ton of experience in that field, not from a lack of trying, but it was very honest. I remember I cried a lot. I really like Aaron, the love interest, who for the most part had been kind of restricted to Hallmark movies before this. And it's kind of a shame that the movie flopped because I felt like this could have broadened his horizons more. Please, what are you into? One of these boring, ripped idiots with no opinions? No, I like someone who's physically very frail and won't stop talking. Uh, I admire Billy Eichner. Billy Eichner in this movie, I think, is very, very good. Even if he's kind of just playing himself, he's playing himself with an amount of emotional vulnerability that I have never seen from Billy Eichner before. The funniest part of watching this movie is the fact that when I saw it in St. Charles, I don't drive, guys, so I needed a ride. So whoever I invited with me was going to be the person I saw the movie with. Uh, I saw this movie with my father, which was a very interesting experience, to say the least. <laughs> I'd be laughing at things, and I could just kind of see my father out of the corner of my eye going... Just scratching his head like, I think I get it. Is this what they're like these days? Is this what my son's doing now that he's moved out? Which um, honestly helped add to the humor. Uh, it did make the uh, re four-way reveal scene very funny. And all the grinder scenes, I was desperately scared. He was going to be like, son, have you heard of this grinder? And I would have to deny, 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 deny like a proper politician in the closet. Have you been on the grinder on your Nintendo Switch when I wasn't looking? Dad, I'm always on that grind, but not grind. 
grinder. It's really sweet. It's currently my ninth favorite movie of the year. It is arguably the most Tanner pick in my top ten. There's a gay country song at the end. <laughs> Back to you, Austin. Thank you, Tanner. I remember you talking about taking your dad to this, and that was a brave adventure that you went on. I thought it'd be like Love, Simon, not gay on gay. Tim, what are your thoughts on bros? Um, yeah, so uh, I watched it yesterday. I watched it with my girlfriend, and we both enjoyed it quite a bit. So there's a lot of good humor in there, and there's also, like, a lot of good, just, like, emotional beats, I think. And, like, kind of talking about Billy Eichner being Billy Eichner, but, you know, putting himself out there in a more emotionally vulnerable way than you typically see him. And, like, I'm sort of middle ground on Billy Eichner in general. Like, I haven't seen a lot of stuff he's in. Like, I saw him in Parks and and I enjoyed him in that. I thought he was funny in that, but I haven't really seen much else that he's been in. I think he's funny in here and like he's he's playing a very personal portrayal of, you know, a gay man who is very, very openly himself and society keeps telling him to tone it down. You want to put Lincoln back in the closet? Fine! I'll put him back in the closet! I'll put him back in the fucking closet! Here! Like, I, I really, I related to Aaron a lot, you know, the being a sort of straight passing queer person who's, I, I've, I've never dated a man, but I've dated non-binary people. And sometimes I kind of feel like the way he sort of feels in those moments where he's just like, am I doing enough? Like that scene where he's in the museum and he's like seeing all of these accomplished gay figures in history. And then uh, uh, he's just like, sees this version of himself that's just like, uh, hates his job, does CrossFit, uh, <laughs> shit like that. I didn't know that he had only really done, like, Hallmark stuff, which made the fact that kept making Hallmark Christmas movie jokes extra funny. I mean, look at these movies. Have yourself a heteronormative little Christmas. Miracle on 34th Street, but with one gay guy. Home Alone, but with Sarah Paulson. I mean, yeah, uh, overall, enjoyed the movie. There was a lot to like about it. I definitely would say this is an acquired taste, but uh, we'll get more on that when uh, Joe tells us about his thoughts on the movie. Uh, Joe is a noted homophobe, of course. Uh, I hate you. Joe Vrenick, you are our token straight for the evening, so I am so excited to hear your thoughts about bros. From what I understand, you weren't grooving with it as much as the rest of us. Is that true? Yeah, and man, I, I, I just gotta tell you, I would much rather, because she just kind of like planted herself on my desk here, my, not my desk, my table here, without a care in the world. I would much rather be petting my cat than talking about this movie right now. Now you gotta do both. You know, I, yeah, yeah, I'll do both. This man's rubbing pussy on the gay podcast. <laughs> How much more aggressive can this get? <laughs> so anyway, I'll give you some context leading up to watching this movie for me. So everyone's talking about Billy Eichner, Billy Eichner. Tanner likes Billy Eichner. Tim's kind of middle of the road on Billy Eichner. I cannot fucking stand Billy Eichner. I loathe that man. I find him aggressively annoying. But if you look up my letterbox review of Noel, the Anna Kendrick Christmas movie, I'm bringing up Christmas a lot and it's already New Year's. I specifically state that movie like actively made me want to punch Billy Eichner in the dick because he was annoying in that. I cannot stand Billy Eichner. However, I need to 
to expand my horizons a bit more because I should probably watch some more queer movies and kind of acquire a taste for it because they're here. They're not going anywhere. Like my friends are queer. God damn it. Austin is married. Damn it. His husband's wonderful. And also... Uh, the reason why I watched this is I looked up the director and he's made movies that I like. He's made Forgetting Sarah Marshall. He's made Neighbors. He made the movie where Chris Pratt makes a joke about drinking out of Chewbacca's dick, damn it. <laughs> I feel like I'm drinking out of Chewbacca's dick. So I was willing to give the movie a chance in that regard. And my overall thoughts were, remember when comedies used to have likable protagonists? Yeah, uh, this one does. I disagree. I, I found Billy. And that's homophobia, Joe. Got him. I, I found Billy Eichner grating in this movie as per usual. Like when he would have his serious Oscar moment moments, I'd just be like, Billy, no, you, you, you've lost me. You lost me so long ago. It was kind of upsetting. I will talk about some stuff that I like about the movie because, I mean, the movie's just overall just okay. I don't like the lead. However, the one thing that I do like is the co-lead. I think that actor does a really good job in the movie. He, it's like, he, it's like that's, that's the thing. It's like, I don't understand the character's experiences because that's just not my life experiences. Through that character, though, I got a sense. Like, I was able to understand something. Like, okay, this makes sense to me. It made me see, like, another person's perspective perspective that I would normally not see in a movie and I can appreciate that but that, that's probably like the highlight that I really have for this because I don't have a whole ton to say about this it, it's just an okay gay rom-com uh, I hope more get made I know this movie flopped I'll probably have some things to say about that later but I, I hope they make some more gay rom-coms because we need more of them out in the world hopefully we can get some better ones that are just more than okay there's some funny voices out there so yeah I never tire of watching two very straight actors really transform themselves into being sad and gay. Gay actors playing gay, that's not even acting. Joe has officially, on the record, rejected our generation's replacement Nathan Lane. Papers, headlines. Man, I miss Nathan Lane. When the trailer for this came out back in June of 2022, uh, Tanner texted it to me, and we were both extremely excited about the idea of what this movie was presenting to be, at least from the trailer. I don't know about you guys, but I fucking do not resonate with the sort of, like, sanded-off corporate think tank gay shit that gets thrown out in media sometimes. Love, Simon! Everybody's gotta be some super cosmopolitan, NPR Democrat, fucking impeccable, flawless paragon of virtue. I get that it's a reaction to a century of depicting gay people as murderers, then drag caricatures and tragic victims, but that doesn't make the Disney-approved gay dad relatable or complicated like the gay people you meet in real life. And I think that Bros is the next step in that evolution. Right off the bat, they have a scene where the main character meets with a studio head, asking him to write a rom-com movie about nice gay people that straight people can relate to. And Bros is partially about how not only are not all gay people fucking Tom Hanks, but also they have different love lives and their social scenes operate differently. I, I love that Billy Eichner's character in this is such a high-strung, stubborn bitch. Uh, it's got that rom-com magic that's until now kind of been reserved entirely for straight movies. He's a flawed-ass person. Joe, I also find him annoying in this. 
but he has a really good heart, and he's been through a lot of shit in his life. That level of complexity makes the payoff when he meets Aaron, uh, the significantly more laid-back love interest, so much better. There are so many straight rom-coms where the main dude's a little shit, and love is the cure that he needs to grow. And this movie would be kind of toothless without this friction. I see what you like. You like these big, like, fucking bro-y, like, meathead idiots. Oh, look, Aaron, they're fighting. You want to be in the fight? Yeah, you like that? Hey. Yeah, I can be tough. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can be tough like your boys. Yeah. Oh, that's what you like, huh? Oh, now you want to be on my big blanket? Now you want to be on my big blanket? I can be aggressive. Oh, yeah. What's going on? Another thing I like about this movie is a byproduct of the fact that the entire cast and secondary cast is basically all LGBTQIA+. That is, they're comfortable making jokes about goofy shit that happens in their communities. I personally do like comedy when metaphorical punches are thrown, and since punching down isn't decent anymore, this is a movie where they punch sideways. A dream sequence about elderly parents being thrilled their son is in a throuple? The, the goofy jokes about muscle gaze and their meathead ways. The playful infighting is really entertaining. Uh, the romance really worked for me. Everybody acted their part super well, and they got so many distinctive actors to come on this project. Uh, the final song makes me cry every time I watch it. It looks great thanks to the $22 million budget. I am so beyond pissed that this movie flopped. Bros lets you peek into this alternate reality where everyone's a lot more normal about the important stuff, but just as quirky about how they handle day-to-day -day life. It's refreshing, and hopefully there's more like this to come. That concludes our personal reviews for Bros. Stay tuned after the ad break for general discussion, where we have a freeform talk about individual scenes, trivia, and God knows what else. See you soon. I'm on steroids! Welcome back from the ad break for another ad. Do you like movies? Do you like colors? Do you want fancy art in your house that makes you look sophisticated? Well, if you've got a hundred bucks to spare, head on over to moviepalette.com. There you can find art pieces showing a timeline of dominant colors from all the scenes in your favorite movies. It's like a Gene Davis painting with more pop culture appeal. And if the price tag is too steep for you, Bomb Squad is here to help. Use our special code SQUAD15 at checkout to get 15% off your purchase. That code again is SQUAD15. Now back to today's movie. Anything anyone wants to discuss about this tremendously gay movie? That Deborah Messing scene was so fucking funny. <laughs> mm -hmm. the, the, the Deborah mess, Messing scene. So I didn't mention this in my review, but I, I didn't laugh through a good chunk of the movie, which is kind of bad for a comedy, but that's probably just because I just don't get the humor. However, when Deborah Messing fucking just shows up and steals two minutes of the movie and arguably the whole movie as a result, I, I think that was probably the funniest scene of the whole movie. Did I waltz in here and lay all my shit on you? Answer me! Answer me! I'm just, I... Shut up! I like his museum mishaps. Him shouting, I have roid rage, while throwing Abe Lincoln in a closet, and, and <laughs> trying to, you know, tearing the rainbow flag in half. I liked when shit went wrong at the museum. That, that was pretty funny. I will give you that. Everything about the LGBT museum I thought was deeply funny. I love the little uh, haunted train ride, and then they show, the, like, congratulations, you made it to the Obama era, but what's that around the corner? <laughs> <laughs> the uh, I love the train ride because it was, like, the investors, like, one, like, if I'm going to invest, I want a train ride. So <laughs> fucking funny. My favorite one out of all of those was, I think her name's Dot Marie Jones. The lesbian was my favorite. I... I kind of gravitate towards Dean, but um, she was so fucking funny. 
Yeah, D- Dean and uh, the lesbian, both both very good. Lesbians, disperse! Ugh. I hate the museum. Um, so there's this funny bit of trivia that I found out about this from an interview. Billy Eichner had one big scheduling request before they went into production for this. He didn't want to do the long monologue on the beach about like growing up or the sex scenes on the first day of shooting, right? But due to the availability of a specific house, that's exactly what they had to do. <laughs> Movie magic. They had 34 days to shoot this, and they they had to do the two most, like, crazy things on the very first fucking day. God. Well, you know, good for him. He's a trooper. Also, that that musical number wasn't in the original script, believe it or not. Billy Ackner just came to set with a guitar, and... Uh, he, he said, I, I got an idea. And every every member of the crew just peeked their head up like a prairie dog, and they're like, what's he doing? Roll camera, what's roll he camera. Doing? <laughs> roll the cameras, roll. We have seven cameras, roll them all. So what happened was Luke McFarlane told Billy Eichner that he liked Garth Brooks, and Billy Eichner had inspiration to do that musical number sometime after that, I guess. It was arranged like over the course of a week. It was like last-minute news to the director. Uh, the song at the end, actually, the way they had to record it because of this, it was a live performance. Kind of like the 2012 Les Mis film. Isn't that fucking nuts? Okay, that honestly makes that scene even better. Because damn, Eichner has actually a pretty damn good singing voice then. I think, like, the scene that might have the most universal appeal, maybe, uh, this is just may just reveal me being an idiot. I think the uh, grinder guy who keeps asking him for an ass pick might be the thing that would make <laughs> almost anybody laugh, even if they're not into this gay stuff. Uh, LOL, LOL. Can I see your ass? Don't have ass pick. Need to see ass pick though. Don't have ass pick. Not gonna meet up unless you send ass pick. Must see pick of ass. Took this just for you, bro. Did he block me? I'm straight and I laughed at that. It was funny. Ass pick? And then the block. <laughs> Fucking lost it. <laughs> the, the block is what really got me. I love the very awkward grinder encounter at the beginning of the movie. He shows up at the guy's house and he just comes on him, and then he's like, "All right, you, you wanna, amongst you wanna, us. You want to finish? No, no, I'm good. Right, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I guess while we're on the topic of the many sex scenes in this movie, can we talk about Steve? Steve. <laughs> Steve, Steve is probably, he gives Denny from the room a run for his money. That guy fucking creeped the shit out of me. Steve is like, if Denny had like, he was like super gay for Tommy Wiseau and actually joined in on the sex scene with uh, Lisa and Tommy Wiseau in the beginning. I just like to fuck you guys. <laughs> do, you, do you know how much of a scrawny twink you have to be to not be able to get any in the in the like group sex when Billy Eichner is in the group sex? Steve is, Steve could be blown over by Augusta of wind. Steve is useless. And, <laughs> and you can tell Steve is useless because the bald friend character, uh, actor name up here comes in and Steve is like, hi. And the way he says, hi, Steve, is just mm, you know exactly who Steve That's, is. That, that guy was so funny. He was, I think, one of the funniest characters in the movie. Like, me and Cody both laughed. Like, at basically everything he said. <laughs> I really like the um, the breakup moment. It's classic rom-com of misunderstanding. But what I find interesting is that the misunderstanding is never explained. Which means presumably Billy Eichner just forgives Aaron for what he thought was cheating. But, quite frankly... Maybe Aaron deserved to be put down a peg because I think the whole basically saying can you be less gay thing with the parents, especially since the parents kind of came around. They seemed they like seemed the parents liked him. him. Yeah. 
Even though he kept challenging them, it was good-natured challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the uh, commentary about how uh, second graders would benefit from learning about LGBTQ history, that's probably going to cut some people. Because that is a that is a hot-button topic, is whether or not we just tell the kids that gay people exist. Because America is a very far-right-wing country full of religious people. So I'm excited that was in the movie and got hammered Gone. on. God, that scene was so fucking awkward, though. And then it has yeah. probably the probably the hardest I've laughed the entire movie is just like they just have like the big blow up, and then the waiter starts singing Grease. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Grease Lightning! One funny thing that I liked was when he's talking to that woman with the son. I do, I can't tell their relationship, but they talk a couple times in the movie, and uh, she's got her son, and she's like, half the kids in my son's class are non-binary, and Billy Eichner's character says, "Well, it's not fair, teen." We had AIDS and they had glee. You know, that was just great. <laughs> I lost. I think that is the hardest the movie made me laugh was that line because glee really was the AIDS epidemic of our time. Oh, my God. <laughs> All, the gays will agree with me on that. Uh, also, fun fact, Doc Marie Jones, the uh, lesbian at the museum, played a coach in Glee. So also, yep. there's like weird connections. A like coach that. that later became trans in the show. I didn't know that. Yeah, became a trans man in the show, played by the same actress. Uh, there's, like, weird connections like that. Like, Tanner, you mentioned that the guy who plays Aaron, he, he acted in 14 Hallmark movies playing a straight man. <laughs> he looks like a Hallmark guy. I mean, I get it. Yeah, and um, Jai Rodriguez, who plays Bobby's brother, was a cast member in the original run of Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, a show that also gets lampooned in this movie. Oh, my God. That's crazy. They got gay fourth-dimensional chess going on. I like the Garth Brooks song at the end, because I like Garth Brooks. And I don't know, singing to your lover, that always gets me down here. So, you know. Speaking of Garth Brooks, check us out on Andrew Ambrose Lee's show. Oh yeah, we (laughs) did do a Garth Brooks album, In the Life of Chris Gaines. (laughs) Yeah, make sure you check out I've Been Meaning to Listen to That. It's an excellent fucking podcast, especially the episodes with Bomb Squad members. Yeah! Synergy. I'm happy that Tim brought up the museum thing where Aaron's sort of Spider-Verse sees himself in the reflection because that was another moment in the film where I cried. They, uh, you know, show you all the, the pictures of the people. For some reason, that emotionally got to me. I remember crying at that scene, too. It's a really well done uh, scene. We need to talk about the museum more. It was a blink and buy. Perhaps. What's really funny about that is that the president before him, James Buchanan, who was one, probably most responsible for America plunging into a civil war, and two, probably gay. He was never married, he never dated in office, and he had a long-running correspondence with a senator, but they were just friends. That's the classic line. They're brothers. They're just friends. This has been used for centuries. Oh my god, they're roommates. And it's also a very real possibility that James Buchanan being gay was just a thing people knew back then, but it wasn't as hot button a topic as it is now. I uh, I kind of like how modern the humor is in this. Like, uh, in the beginning when he's doing his podcast right off the bat, he talks about sort of like LGBTQ history in his books and stuff, and it all has to end on like, this podcast is brought to you by Career Donkey. And this, that's sort of one of the things I like about modern comedies is that that's gonna be us someday. Yeah, I can't wait for the um, moviepalette.com. I can't wait for the Diner Dash of Clan sponsorship. When we finally get a Me Undies sponsorship, I'm going to uh, do it every time, but instead of calling it Me Undies, I'm gonna go full Me Underwears. How many times are we gonna reference the room on this podcast? I, I, you know, only twice. The, okay, so this is a thing. So have you guys ever seen Brokeback Mountain? Yes. Of course I have. have. I'm gay. 
I was so surprised the first time I saw Brokeback Mountain by how much it looks like they're assaulting each other when they're trying to fuck. Like, they are so aggressive and, like, deeply <laughs> physical that I was like, really? This is, like, this is the hallmark of gay sex scenes in movies? They look like they're about to kill each other. And this movie sort of, like, plays on that a little bit. I don't think it's a direct reference to Brokeback Mountain or anything like that, but sort of that, like, very muscular, like, high school wrestler gay guy where it's just they kind of, like, slapping each other around and, like, fucking getting each other in headlocks and shit. I was like, oh, this is, this is so silly. I don't know if that's actually what it's like. I've never met anyone like that, but I think it's a funny sort of trope. You know, okay, okay. I remember, so... I was on Grinder once. It was shortly after my ex-fiance left me and I went, let's see what happens. I'm lonely. And I'm, a guy messaged me and we had a bit of back and forth and eventually he went, you in the water sports? And I went, what? You mean like water skiing and water polo? What do you mean by water sports? And he went, here, check this out. And he sent me a video it's, and I haven't been the same since. It's just Lemon Party. It's the old shock <laughs> website of just the old man. It was, <laughs> no, he was in... You might have to censor this for the YouTube Austin. It was a video of some guy peeing into this guy's mouth. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, why is it called that? There's a joke about that in the movie. The, his bald friend is like, somebody peed on me today. And Billy Eichner is like, oh, are you into that? And he goes, no, but what else was I doing? And that was so good. <laughs> I just, I love that. If you ask someone, what are water sports? They're like, here. I don't think that's how you explain something to someone. Unless no. I guess you're really hoping to awaken a kink in them. Mm. But all it did was make me immediately uninstall Grinder, and I have not installed it since. And it made you dispose <laughs> of the phone in the garbage disposal on the sink. Uh, you know, I did get a new phone a few months later. I, I have an <laughs> embarrassing admission, and I don't know if I could make this on any other podcast. So we were talking about milk earlier. Uh, when I was growing up, it was so Midwestern where I was that I thought that if you were gay, you immediately get the lisp and the high voice. Uh, I watched <laughs> such shitty media that I thought every gay person had the stereotypical gay person voice. And Milk was the first film, I was pretty young, mind you, where somebody just talked like, you know, like I'm talking and they were also gay. And I had this moment that's embarrassing in hindsight where I'm like, they can do that? What? <laughs> Gay people can talk normal? Just to show you how far we've come, because that's the thing, I don't think young kids, like, know that. Like, if you go watch a gay movie from, like, the 90s, like, I think in and out the Kevin Klein film, where he's so worried that he's gonna get basically scarlet-lettered if they find out he's gay, we have come such a far way in such a short amount of time. And it's, it's kind of fucking incredible, but I think it, I do wish more people knew that, like, We've come a long way. Things used to be heinous. Like, back in the 40s, they were making rope. Like, it used to be so bad. I mean, it's kind of funny how I think TV kind of beat the movies here. Have you noticed this? Yes! Modern yes. Family was a big sitcom 12 years ago, which had a very predominant gay couple, with one of them being gay actors in it. Don't get me wrong, it was largely sanitized, but they would sometimes deal with largely gay types of story beats, and it's kind of funny how TV beat movies to the punch on this one. Yeah, that literally, when we were asking that opening question about, like, uh, gay movies, like, I think I was getting more examples in my head of, like, TV shows. Like, if we had gone on to do some more, like, I could have talked about BoJack Horseman, how, like, Todd is asexual representation. Uh, and, like, that's something I don't think I've ever seen in a movie. Explicit asexual representation. Yeah. Other than maybe being it treated as a joke, I've never seen it taken seriously in a movie. Yeah. 
It's curious why that happens. I think it's like a profit thing. Like, movies sink so much more money than TV and stuff that you have to, like, really, you know, game the metrics and figure out, like, oh, will this work in the Rust Belt? Will this work in the Bible Belt? And you have to worry about so much more shit, whereas TV, you know, you produce that for a hundred grand and you just send it out. Well, I don't even think it's just the Rust Belt and the Coast. I think it actually has more to do with the fact movies are an international enterprise. TV shows are largely exclusively Mm. made for the American markets. That's right, because the problem with the international market is places like China, Saudi Arabia, where they have much more like right-wing censorship laws than we do. That's a a great point. A lot of the Middle East, they will straight up censor movies or ban them in a lot of cases. That's why we have the most obnoxious trend. The most obnoxious trend in cinema today is Disney having a character that pops up for one scene and goes, I'm calling my wife. Disney's first gay character. How many first gay characters has Disney had? Twelve. Like Strange World apparently had one. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? How much longer can they milk this? The next decade. I wonder how much you get paid as a person to write a Disney's first gay character headline for a publication. (laughs) They just drop like 20 grand on your desk. You get a $50,000 check personally signed by Bob Iger. I remember finding out like two years after I saw Rise of Skywalker that it had Star Wars' first gay kiss. And I went, what? And then I watched it and I went, oh yeah, I remember why I don't remember this. It cuts immediately to the giant slug. Yeah, literally two second lesbian kiss between two just random X-Wing pilots. They're not characters. They're literally just background. It should have been Poe and Finn, damn it. It should have been. Remember what they took from us. Last question. Why did this movie flop? We got like, I don't know, five minutes left. The marketing was somewhat flawed, I think. Not necessarily in the trailers. I think the trailers were a fairly accurate depiction of what the movie was. But the trailers did have this slight tone, and the Twitter marketing especially had this tone where it's like, if you're a straight guy, you have a moral obligation to see this movie, as opposed to just letting the movie sell on its own. And I think because everything outside of the trailer sort of focused on how important and how gay it was, because like, there's another qualifier you needed to say about the first big budget studio rom-com that released in theaters. Yeah, that. Because technically, Fire, Fire Island. Island beat them to that punch. Yes, it did. Fire Island is also great. You should, you guys should see that. I mean, Joe, I if you didn't like this, you're not gonna like Fire Island, but- Probably not. The audience, Watch Fire Island. It's very good. It's on Hulu. It's a Disney movie. Um. Somehow. Uh, Joe, what was your big theory? All right. So when did this movie come out? September 30th of last year. What is literally two days away from September 30th? October. What happens in October? Halloween. What do people want to see on Halloween? Spooky movies. You don't release your, your... Why? Why do you release it during spooky movie season? That uh, doesn't it, track. Tickets to Paradise came out in October and did very well, I thought. Tickets to... Wait, did that come out in October? Pretty sure it did. Mm, could have swore that was like a November movie, but I could be I don't wrong. know what t- how time works. It might have been late October. Well, late October, that... Fine, whatever. Because <laughs> by that point, you're just like, I might have been wrong. My point is, is that rom-coms have succeeded in October before. So it's just like, fine, all alternate programming, whatever. But October is spooky movie season. People are going to see what 
smile. People went and fucking saw a smile. People went and saw Pearl. Guys, don't you guys remember a gay rom-com came out in October last year? Did you guys already forgot about Venom Let There Be Carnage? Oh my god. There we go. <laughs> Alright, that's enough from you three. Time for final thoughts on bros. I, I've banned us from Austin's show. Um, Joe, what are your final thoughts on bros? I, I guess if this seems to be your sort of thing, whether you're straight, bi, gay, whatever, I don't care. If it seems like your thing, go see it. Um, if it doesn't, probably best to avoid it. I thought it was, eh, it was whatever. All right, Tim, give us the goods. Bros of Versailles. <laughs> Man, fuck you! <laughs> no! <laughs> was not expecting that one. <laughs> Fucking damn it. All right. Tanner. Tanner, final thoughts on Bros. Well, I'm I'm glad Tim didn't do this because I thought he was going to do it. Sometimes we say movie good, but in this case, I'm going to say movie gay. Oh, my God. Movie gay. I love movie gay. Notice how Joe's not clapping. Homophobic <laughs> much? I, I'm laughing. I am like, I, I'm just like laughing through gritted teeth. Where were you on January 6, 2021? Where were you in this day of the Stonewall riots? <laughs> Where were you? My final thoughts. What's that Back to the Future quote? I guess you guys aren't ready for that yet. But your kids are going to love it. Yep. It's an uplifting piece of queer film history. Even if the box office didn't do what it was supposed to do, I can only imagine the positive impact that this will have on future generations of queer people. It's good this exists, and it's damn funny, too. Check it out. And that concludes our show for today. If you're listening on any of the audio platforms, rate us five stars and tell your coworkers we're the hot new shit in town. If you're watching on Spotify video, I hope you enjoyed our gratuitous Midwestern cursing. Consider donating money to our Patreon because we're a force for good and we make cool shit. Comment below and let me know, did you like Bros? Did you like Fire Island? Uh, are you excited for more gay movies where no one has to die? Uh, tune in next week for our huge fucking 100th episode on one of the great films of our childhood, Edgar Wright's 2010 film, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. God willing, we'll have a cool guest. I cannot believe we've made a hundred of these things. That is a huge fucking deal. Next week, the energy is gonna be through the roof! Alright, I'm gonna have my cock out. Oh, I should do that for this one, actually. No! Thank you so much for tuning in today, and remember, what happens in movies shapes the way that we perceive real life. Happy 2023, everybody. See you next week. Gay people are real. Bye. Must see pick of ass.